Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Ben Schmidt and Colin Hansel. And today we're joined by our very special guests, our very close friends, Matt Schultz and Alex Simonak. They're here to talk about our Super Bowl special, our, our Super Bowl prediction episode. This episode is brought to you by Wawa's Pigeon Broth bringing you the best pigeon cuisine straight from Egypt. Check them out. Uh, download the Pigeon app and get $5 off your first order with the code McCaffrey. Wawaspigeonbroth.com and check them out at the Pigeon app. All right, perfect. Uh, let's get right into it, boys. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, Bucks plus three, over under 56. What do we think? What are we thinking? Who are we taking? All right. First off, I'd like to say thank you guys for having us on the podcast. And to start off, I'd like to say that I like the Chiefs going into this one right away. Minus three. I think Mahomes and that offense is way too much for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to handle. And I think with that defense, they specialize in swarming the ball. And I think the Chiefs down game field is just too much to handle for them with their weak secondary. And we see what happened in the game in the regular season that they played. Let me propose this to you, sir. The Kansas City Chiefs are without both of their starting tackles. I don't – I mean, I think that pass rush with uh, JPP and uh, Sue and uh, – what's his name? Shaquille uh, Barrett. Jack Barrett. I think it might be a little too much for that offensive line to handle. In my mind, it's really going to depend on what Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense we see because in their matchup in the regular season, obviously we all know what happened in the first quarter, um, especially with Tyreek Hill. But then the rest of the game, the, the Chiefs ended up, they were at 21 after the first quarter and they only ended up scoring 27 total points. So... I think the linebackers and the safeties for Tampa Bay are going to be huge. Having Antoine Winfield back to potentially help with the over-the-top passing offense for Kansas City will be huge. And obviously, I love the experience that Tom Brady has in this game. It's just so hard for me. I've been back and forth. I think I'm going to go with Kansas City, but this is one of the most – I've been looking to this Super Bowl a lot more than some of the previous ones, especially a lot more than last year. Agreed. I think this is a great matchup. Uh, two very high-power offenses going against one another. Uh, in terms of bets, though, I'm going to take the bl- uh, the Bucks plus 3.5. I'm going to take the over. I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. And I also am going to take Tampa Bay money line. I think that Kansas City, with their beat-up offensive line, aren't going to be able to handle the pass rush. The Bucks have an elite front seven. And as long as the pass rush can get to Mahomes, I don't think anybody's going to have time to get open. Obviously, the Chiefs have a lot of weapons. We saw what happened last time they played with Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, but I just think that as long as the Bucs can get the pass rush going and maybe establish a run game, get them to respect playoff Lenny, I like I like the Bucs' chances. When uh, when we saw these teams play in Week 12, we obviously, as Ben mentioned, we saw these, uh, these Chiefs get out to a big league. Tyreek Hill almost had like 200 yards in the first quarter. It was insane. But then over the course of the game, we started to see the Bucks figure out what the Chiefs were doing. And the Chiefs still won. It was, what was it, 27-21, I think the final score was. So outside of the first quarter, the Bucks 
uh, outscored the Chiefs 21-6. to six, And I think they're just going to keep rolling. I think the Bucks are one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs we've seen this year. And then throughout the playoffs, they beat the Washington football team. They whooped up on the Saints. Uh, they beat the Packers. So I think I'm also – I'm going to agree with Matt here. I'm going to take the Bucks to win, Bucks to cover, and the over. Um, and I think the key – the key part in this is that in the NFC championship game, both the young safeties for the Bucks were out. Now they're back in. I think they're going to play a big role in this game as well. I agree with you, Donovan and uh, Matt. I, I believe this game is going to go over. Um, I do think it'll be a high scoring game and you make a good point in the second half of that first matchup, the Bucks defense really tightened up. They outscored the Chiefs 17 to seven in the second half. And I mean, these two teams know each other. I think, you know, if you take away a couple of those defensive breakdowns in the first half, Tyree killed like an 80 yard touchdown in early in the first quarter, a couple tiny mistakes um, caused them to lose that game. So I think this defense is hot right now. I think it's going to be ready. Um, I don't necessarily trust their secondary, but I think they will be able to contain the Chiefs better than they did last game. That being said, I'm going to also take the Bucks to cover the three points. I think they're going to win this game, but I would not be confident enough to take the money line. I also have been liking the over a lot because I see the Chiefs scoring, scoring somewhere for like 30 to 38 points, and then that just leaves the Patriots or the Buccaneers to score like 20 or whatever. But I also don't like the point that you guys are bringing up, like that they outscored him in the second half. Because when I was watching that game, we re we all saw what Tyreek Hill was really doing to them. Like they were up, what was it, like 21-0 in the first quarter or something like that. They just ran it out and they were not playing aggressive like the Chiefs we know. Like they're down the field nonstop, nonstop. So like that, I think that was a big con contribution to them coming back. I like I like the point that Alex brings up because I definitely think that the uh, Chiefs game plan in this one will be will be different because we all know you never want to give Tom Brady a chance to stay in it, especially not in a Super Bowl. So I think if there is a chance where the Chiefs get up early, which they very well could because we know how explosive their offense is, I think they will keep the foot on the gas pedal. I honestly think we will, we will see a, a very few amount of rushing attempts out of Kansas City in total throughout the entire game, whether they're up or not. So um, that's just kind of the reason why I feel – like, like Kansas City is going to win this game just because I think their game plan will have changed between now and that regular season matchup. And I think they've learned, hey, if we've able to pass on them early, let's just do it all game and not let our foot off the gas pedal and go to the run. Um, just like all you guys are, I'm taking the over, and I already said I'm taking Kansas City to win the football game. And I think Mahomes is going to have a huge day. I don't know. I think, you know, the Chiefs did let off the gas a little bit in that Week 12 game, but – it's not like they were running the ball out. I mean, they threw the ball 50 times. The Chiefs don't really run the ball that often. Uh, you know, they could still do stuff out of the backfield with Clyde and Le'Veon because they're good pa uh, pass catching backs. But I wouldn't expect them to run the ball regardless as they only had, what is this, 20 rushing attempts in the Week 12 game. I definitely think the Bucks. you know, they still have to respect the run game at least a little bit but they have such a good front seven. They were the best run defense in the league before. I think that as long as they focus on uh, pressuring the quarterback, you know, the secondary, it's going to take a lot of stress off of them. 
And I just think that's a winning recipe for them is getting after the quarterback. Uh, they shouldn't have to worry about the run game all that much. All right. So we've heard your opinion on this guy on this game. Are there any specific prop bets? Because prop bets are very big in the Super Bowl. Um, are there any specific prop bets that you think uh, are have good value or almost locks to hit? So I put together a little parlay. So I do have Bucks plus three. I do have the over 55 and a half in this game. I love Tyreek Hill getting over seven and a half receptions because he's been just feasting lately. He had nine last, he had nine against uh, Buffalo, 172 yards. He had eight against Cleveland, 110 yards. He's on fire right now. And like we mentioned, we know what he did to them the first time they played. So I'm going to take Tyreek Hill over seven and a half receptions. I'm also going to take Antonio Brown over three and a half receptions. Um, we've seen Chris Godwin struggle a little bit in these playoffs. Uh, and I can definitely see them going towards a more experienced receiver in this one. Uh, I'm taking Antonio Brown over three and a half receptions. I don't think that's a crazy number for him to reach. I'm also taking Fournette over 48 rushing yards because of how well he's been playing. Uh, playoff Lenny. I'm taking Mahomes plus two and a half passing touchdowns, and I'm taking McCole Hardman under 28 and a half receiving yards. I'm liking those. Another one that I had is I had a Gronk touchdown. I think in, this could be potentially Tom Brady and Gronk's last Super Bowl together, and I think that Tom's going to try to get a, a touchdown, honestly. Yeah, Alex, that was one I had um, on my list as well. We'll see when we get to our most impactful players later later in the episode. I have Gronk on that list because I think Gronk is going to have a big day. I mean, maybe not a big day, but I think a very impactful day. I think he'll have one or two big catches that really change the outcome of the game. Um, as big as I know I said earlier that Mahomes is going to have a big game. Despite that, I still have him with the under on 327 passing yards. I think he'll be right around the mark. I think he'll have a big day in terms of touchdowns, stuff like that. But I'm going to take him to go just under the 327 passing yard mark. For me, uh, I have I have a handful of touchdown prop bets. Um, so Gronkowski, as Alec mentioned, I think will score a uh, score a touchdown. He was the leading receiver for the Bucks back in League 12. His value score touchdown is plus 225. I love that. And then another note I wanted to pick out, the one thing that Chiefs do struggle with on defense is covering slot receivers. So I do expect a big game out of Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown. Both of those uh, guys score touch – or Scotty Miller's plus 425 to score a touchdown. Antonio Brown's plus 225. Um. Tom Brady to win Super Bowl MVP, which basically whoever wins quarterbacks more than likely going to get the Super Bowl MVP. But Tom Brady won the Super Bowl MVP plus 210. I love that. And then finally, uh, a pick that I think has good, good value. Rashad Breeland to get an interception plus 575. I love that. I love that. The Breland pick is super interesting because he actually played really well against Stefan Diggs in the uh, in the AFC Championship game. We saw him have a relatively quiet, at least first half. He had a couple catches in the second half, but overall, not a huge day for Diggs. So I I, I think there's definitely some intrigue with that one. 
Um, if I was going to pick someone to get an interception, I'm obviously going to lead towards uh, Carlton Davis. He's picked off everyone so far, so might as well get a fourth one in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't. I, I I think you have some good, interesting ones though. The ones I'm I'm looking more forward to are the other are the funny ones like the first score and then like the Gatorade and heads or tails. So what, what are your guys thoughts on like the heads or tails and then the, uh, the Gatorade prop bets? I like to go with tails for the coin flip. Tails it, never tails, fails. Tails never fails. Tails never fails. I'm going to go heads. I am going heads as well. And I'm going orange for the Gatorade. I saw the Gatorade was orange last year. So I'm going to have to go yellow. Just change it up. Nah, bro. They, if they got orange last year, they're not gonna switch it up. They're gonna stick with the. They're gonna stick with what works for them. That's assuming yeah. they win, though. I'm going Bucks. I think blue is a very popular Gatorade flavor. Uh good value at plus seven hundred. So I, I, I'm loving the, I'm loving the blue Gatorade. Do you guys think uh, the potential bad weather conditions? Uh, they're saying rain, thunderstorms. Do you think that'll have any effect on? Like, has that changed your thoughts on this game at all? It doesn't change mine. Um, Brady, obviously, he's been in the league so long. He has so much experience playing in, in multiple different weather conditions. And then just on the Kansas City side, when you're as talented as of a duo, or I guess even trio with Kelsey Hill and Mahomes, like, I don't think rain's going to really affect them either. Um, this is just not something that's really a big worry for me, even if there is, is rain during the game. I think, I think it'll – Oh, you go ahead. You go ahead. I think it's just something we'll have to wait and see, like how bad the rain and wind possibly really is. Because if it's really bad, then this is clear. I think this is clearly going to affect the Chiefs way more than the Bucks, because the Chiefs rely on the deep ball, and I think the Bucks could easily run the ball, run down their throats if it, like the weather was like this, and play good defense throughout the game. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think um, if it were like really bad rain or heavy rain conditions, windy, whatever. I think that does benefit the Buccaneers because if they're forced to turn to the run game um, a little more, and I think they are going to run the ball a decent amount already, but we know that with the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still a little banged up. He had like six rushes for seven yards in the last game. They really had to rely on uh, Daryl Williams to get their run game going. So I think that would definitely fall in the Bucks' favor. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it would definitely force both teams really to rely more on the short passing game and the run game. And I think that goes towards the Bucks' favor because the Chiefs are really more downfield oriented. And granted, the Bucks have been using the deep ball a lot this year. We saw that a lot uh, during the end of the regular season. But I think that they can also do a lot more short passing situations like screens to Scotty Miller. I know DP was talking about that earlier. Antonio Brown, uh, assuming he's 100% healthy, and, you know, Leonard Fournette is going to be a huge key to winning this game for them. Uh, and the, the Chiefs don't have the strongest run game. And especially with their offensive line being banged up, I think it definitely favors the Buccaneers. Um, honestly, I don't think the weather is going to affect either of these teams. Tom Brady is still very good, and he's so experienced, especially playing in New England all those years. He's used to bad weather games, so I don't think it's going to affect the Bucs pretty much at all. Um, and then the Chiefs. They, they can beat you in so many ways in the pass game, whether it is over the top, short game, screens, you know, slants, whatever. Any route possible, they're going to find a way to get a guy open and connect on it. So I don't think it's going to affect them too much. Um, one more thing I want to point out. 
I I saw this on Twitter. I'm not 100% sure if this is true or not. Um, but we do know the Chiefs are wearing red. The Bucks are wearing white. And Tom Brady, when wearing white in the Super Bowl, I think it's five and one, it said. Something like that. His only loss was the one to the Eagles. Yeah. His other two losses while, were while wearing ball. white in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So do you – obviously we know who uh, who picked who to win the game, but do you think – I. I, maybe not do you think. Maybe I'm just throwing that out there. I'm Patrick Patrick that. Mahomes has never lost a Super Bowl while wearing a red jersey, and that's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> Small sample size. Small yeah, sample this size. this doesn't contribute to me because Tom Brady's on a new team. doesn't really count. New jerseys, new team. Can, can, can we also agree um, not to slander Tom Brady if he loses this game? Because – he is 43 years old, and the fact that he made it this far, I think, is a crazy accomplishment in itself. I think the only way I would have slandered Tom Brady is if they had lost to the to Taylor Heineke. Pretty much any game after that, it's a, a major accomplishment that they've uh, done this in year one. Um, so I, I think I think no matter – obviously, that's like a loser's mentality to say, like, the season was a success no matter what, but – just in terms of like his legacy, it's just been amazing that he's even at this point in the season. I agree. I think it just adds to his legacy at this point, uh, whether win or lose. But one thing that I did see Tony Romo bring up is that if Patrick Mahomes loses the Super Bowl, it's going to make it – he used the word impossible. I don't want to use that word because Patrick Mahomes is an insane talent and I'm never going to like, you know, bet against him or whatever. But Tony Romo said it would be impossible for Patrick Mahomes to catch Tom Brady, assuming he loses this game. And I agree that it's going to make it very difficult uh, because then Patrick Mahomes is only going to have one ring to Brady seven. And, you know, the Chiefs are going to run into salary cap issues within the next few years. So I definitely think that Patrick Mahomes has more to lose uh, in this game. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't think this goes against Brady's legacy, win or lose. I agree with you, and I was going to make that point at some point. Um, I think if you talk legacy-wise and you look on this at the future, because it could very well come down to Mahomes versus Brady based on the way Mahomes' career has gone thus far, the trajectory that he's on. I think um, if you look in the future and you say Mahomes lost to a 43-year-old Tom Brady when he had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, it's hard to overcome that. So, I mean, it's still really early, but I think that – I think you're right. I think it has a huge impact on – potentially on Mahomes' legacy. All right. I don't think the Chiefs and Mahomes are really a team to play, like, scared. They've never really shown that in the past. So, I don't think it will really have any effect on them and Mahomes' legacy in that factor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how the rest of – Mahomes' career plays off. He's so he's so young, and he's already been through so much as a uh, as a starter in his career. So I think it's going to be, you, I think it's unfair to put Mahomes in already the goat debate after only starting. And this is his third season, so I have to say you have to give him like ten more years, and we'll revisit who's the goat. But as of right now, it's. Tom Brady, and it's no one's going to catch up to him anytime soon. All right. Is there any more points anyone want to bring up? 
I just wanted to make it clear that I am choosing. I don't know if I made it clear enough earlier. I'm choosing Tampa to win the Super Bowl. So I think we got me, yeah, some Colin, point, and Matt winning the Bucks, winning, and then Ben and Alex have the Chiefs. Is that correct? Yeah. And does does anyone have this game being like a blowout? Because I think it'll be a, a, a Kansas City win, but I think it'll be like close. Does anyone have this going like a blowout in either way? I got the Bucks by ten. Okay. I think it'll be a back I'd, and forth game. I'd be surprised if it was more than double digits. I'd be, you know, I'm, would, I'd be surprised if it was more than one score. I agree. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a close game for sure. At least hopefully. I just don't see a world where – because I don't think it's going to be a situation that uh, the Bucks are going to blow out the Chiefs. I think that's just not going to happen. But I also don't see it as though Tom Brady in possibly his final Super Bowl – um, going to, you know, lose in a blowout. So I think it's 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 got to be close. Oh, and some people are saying like, oh, they they want um Brady to win the Super Bowl so that he can retire. There's yeah. no there's no way if they win this game, he's not even going to consider retirement. He's still got at least two three years left after this. He's I agree. He's gonna he's gonna play till he's fifty five. He, he put out a statement recently saying he wanted to play past 45, and I definitely think he can do it. You know, he he had a little bit of struggle, uh, especially towards the first half of this season. But since week 12, he's been one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league. He hasn't really shown many signs of uh, slowing down, so I think he's definitely going to come back for at least one more run. All right. I think this is going to wrap up our uh, Super Bowl preview. And uh, we'll get on to our next segments. All right. I uh, just want to thank you guys for having me on here again. It was a blast. Uh, it was a pleasure getting to talk to you guys about the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah. All right. Now we're going to jump right into our uh, special top five lists. Uh, we're going to do a special one this week as it's the Super Bowl. We're going to do top ten uh, most impactful players in this game. Um I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I left quarterbacks off of it because I think it was going to be too obvious that they were going to be one and two. So I did basically everyone else besides Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. So uh, I think this time we're just going to go 10 through one or one through 10, whichever order you want to go through. Uh, Ben, let's start off with you. All right, I'm going to count down from 10 up to 1. And like you, I also admitted quarterbacks. So my list will be essentially most impactful players from Sunday's game, not including Brady and Mahomes. So number 10, kicking it off, I have playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette at number 10. Um, He obviously could end up being way higher on this list. The only reason I have him kind of low at 10 is because I think this could – um, this could turn into a kind of a passing shootout type of game. I mentioned earlier, I'm taking the over, over 56 and a half. Um, I definitely think we see Leonard Fournette um, score a touchdown in or around the goal line. Um, I think he'll have a decent game, but obviously because I think it's a passing game, that's why I don't have it higher. Um, number nine, I have Carlton Davis. He has an interception in all three games against Taylor Heineke then Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. So three outstanding quarterbacks, and then he's going to be playing a fourth in Patrick Mahomes this weekend. Um, I mentioned earlier, if I had to pick someone to get an interception, I'm going to go his way. Carlton Davis is my ninth most impactful player. He's had a good postseason, and there's at least a chance to continue it this weekend. Number eight, 
Rob Gronkowski. He's not had a great season in terms of stats, or I guess not up to his standards in terms of stats, but him and Brady been to multiple Super Bowls together. I think we see Gronkowski score at least one touchdown in this game. He had a great game when they played in week 12 this season, and I've got him having another good one this Sunday. So Rob Gronkowski um, is my eighth most impactful player. Number seven, a guy who actually missed the NFC Championship game, then an outstanding rookie for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, father was a longtime cornerback in the NFL. Obviously, he's passed that talent down onto his son, who's been great in his rookie year out of Minnesota. And I think he's going to be huge. They didn't have him in the NFC Championship game. And him playing this week will be huge, especially because Tampa Bay is so good at attacking over the top. So having someone on the back end as talented as Antoine Winfield Jr. could go a very long way in helping them in this game. So Antoine Winfield Jr., I feel like he's a rookie who's going to shine on one of the brightest stages this Sunday. So I like him. Um, let's keep the Buccaneers players going. Number five, Devin White. Um Travis Kelsey's also such a great tight end. We'll get to him later in this list, but I think one of the guys that's going to be huge in attempting to slow him down is Devin White, super fast, super athletic linebacker. And that's, I, I really think, type of player that you need to, uh, to really be successful against this Kansas City Chiefs offense. Obviously, you can't completely shut down Travis Kelsey, but um, I think Devin White could really go, could really go a long, long way um, for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So that rounds out my first five, and now moving on to the top five. Not really top five because I actually have six players. I have a tie at number five. Um, I'm breaking the rules. I'm going to have 10, 11 players in my top 10. So at number five, I have tied Mike Evans and Tyron Matthew. Um, obviously, Mike Evans, wide receiver one for Tampa Bay. He's going to need to have a big game. He scored um, in the NFC Championship, but Kevin King obviously played horrible in that game. And uh, the Chiefs defense, I feel like, is better than Kevin King played. So Mike Evans is going to need to have a big game. And then tied with him at five, I have Tyron Matthew. He is going to be really big in attempting to stop those uh, the three – Buccaneers wide receivers in Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and then Gronkowski as well. So he's going to need to have a good game. Super smart defender. I like him a lot. I liked him ever since he's been in the league. So I think Tyron Matthew is going to need to be big in this game for Kansas City. Moving on to number four, interior lineman Chris Jones. I think they need to get Tom Brady off his spot, make him move a little bit. And I think the best way he does it uh, – generate interior line pressure and Chris Jones, we all know is a great defensive lineman. So I, I really like his chances to have a big game this Sunday and I'm picking him to at least get a couple pressures, maybe a sack or so on Tom Brady. Number three, who has been outstanding for the Buccaneers this season, Tristan Wurst. He's going to be huge in keeping Tom Brady clean all game long. Um, he has been outstanding all season long and I expect that continue this weekend. Not a whole lot else to say about that. He's just a great offensive lineman. And then moving into the top two, I don't think these two are much of a surprise at all. Um, at number two, this was close. I feel like you can interchange my two and one easily. At number two, I've got Tyreek Hill. If he comes anywhere near the 200 yards he had in the first quarter of their last meeting, he's got a shot at Super Bowl MVP. Um, he's one of the best receivers in the league, in my opinion. And I think he's going to have a really good game. And then that just leaves number one, Travis Kelsey. Best tight end in the NFL. I feel I feel he's head and shoulders above George Kittle. Sorry to my George Kittle fans. Um, he's been borderline unstoppable all season long, and I think it's going to happen again. I know I said Devin White, but those Tim Bay linebackers have a chance to slow him down, but I, you just can't really stop Travis Kelsey at this point. The dude is always open, 
And, and really, I just think in general, the, the Chiefs' main pass catchers in Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill are going to have two very, very big games for Kansas City and what I think will be a Kansas City win. So that's rounding out my top 10. Just looking at it overall, I know I had more Buccaneers players, but I think it's more important that Kelsey and Hill and even Chris Jones make out three of the top four on my list. And I think they're going to be part of the reason why Kansas City gets a win and the Chiefs go back-to-back. Very, very nice top 10. Uh, Colin, let's hear your top 10. All right. So to start off my top 10, uh, I went with an offensive lineman. I think Tristan Wirfs is going to be huge in this game. He's a young player out of the University of Iowa. Shout out, Iowa. Um, I think he's the Bucks' best tackle, and he's going to be facing some pass rush today. Or not today, Sunday. And I think protecting Tom Brady, giving him a clean pocket is going to be crucial for them, obviously. So I think Tristan Wirfs is an impact player, and uh, I think he's going to have a big game. It's his first. He's never been on stage quite like this. So I'm, I'm rooting for you, Tristan Wirfs. Number nine, I got Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny. We know how good he's been for them, especially last week or two weeks ago against Green Bay. Uh he had that one crazy touchdown. Uh, he's been awesome in these playoffs. Throughout his whole career, he's been awesome in the playoffs because he was great for Jacksonville too. So I think they're going to run the ball a decent amount. I like Leonard Fournette getting over 48 rushing yards, like I said earlier. So I got Fournette number nine. Uh, number eight, I got Carlton Davis for some of the reasons that Ben stated. I think he's their best corner. And sh- shutting down Tyree Kill. I, I know I know he hasn't had an interception in these playoffs or whatnot, but I think shutting down Tyreek Hill, not shutting him down, slowing him down uh, is going to be crucial, obviously. So I think Carlton Davis for the Bucks to win is going to have to have a pretty big impact on this game. So I have him at number eight. Number seven, I have Vito Vea. He came back for their uh, NFC Championship game. He was awesome. I think if I don't think the Chiefs are going to run the ball a whole lot, but when they do, Vita Vea is going to be right there to shut it down. Vita Vea is an awesome player. I got him at number seven. Number six, I got Chris Jones for Kansas City. He's also going to be crucial in this game because if they can slow down Tampa's run game, if Tampa is not able to get a run game going, they will not win this game. So I think Chris Jones, you know, he's a he's a pro bowler. I got him at number six. Five. I got the best receiver on the Tampa Bay Bucks, Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to be huge in this game. I think he's going to have to catch a touchdown in this game. Um, he's a great red zone threat, big receiver. I don't think the Chiefs have a corner that can really cover him. I mean, Brashad Breeland's a he's a good corner, but I think Mike Evans is going to have – I didn't see this in my prop bets. I would have bet on it. I think he's going to have at least one touchdown in this game. Mike Evans at five. Number four, I got Levante David. I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in all of football. Uh, He's a Pro Bowl talent, and I think he's going to be crucial in this game. Uh, Stopping the run and in pass coverage, um, someone's got to get on Tyree – or someone's got to get on Travis Kelsey. Him and Devin White are going to have that task of keeping him in control at times. So I think Levante David is going to be huge in this game. He's the captain of that defense. Uh, number three, I have Tyreek Hill. 
Um, I'm sorry, Donovan, but I think Tyree Kill is the fastest player in football, not Scotty Miller. I think Tyree Kill, for the reasons we mentioned earlier, he is the most important or one of the most important players on the Chiefs in this game for obvious reasons. He's the fastest guy on the field. He had 200-some yards the first time they played, and he has been hot lately. He can take the top off the, on the defense, and I think he won't struggle too much against that younger buck secondary. I got Tyree Kill at three. Number two, you guys aren't going to like this, but I got JPP at number two. I think Jason Pierre-Paul is going to have a huge impact on this game. He's made so many impact plays all season long. He's had a very underrated season, um, and he's, he's a pro bowler. He's an all-pro talent. He's put together a fantastic season, and I think without the, Chief, the Chiefs being without their two tackles, I know I keep saying it, but it's extremely important because I think Jason Pierre-Paul is going to feast in this game. I think he's going to have two sacks in this game at least, and I think he's going to be the most impactful player on that Buccaneers defense, and if they need a big play, I think he's going to make it. Number one, uh, same as Ben, I got Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey, aside from the two quarterbacks, is the most important player in this game. Uh, he's, he's, he's the guy. He is the best receiving tight end in football. And, I mean, he's one of the best receivers in general in the league. So we know how good he's been. No one can really cover him or uh, contain him. They can slow him down a little bit, but they it's hard to contain Travis Kelsey. Um I think the Buccaneers have a chance because they do have a good linebacking core. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Got Travis Kelsey, number one. Very, very nice top 10. Um, but I'm going to give you the best top 10 because that's because that's the one I made. Um, at number 10, I'm going with the fastest player in the league. No disrespect to uh, Tyreek Hill, but Scotty Miller. Um, I mentioned this a little earlier in the show um, that the Chiefs do struggle with covering uh, fast slot receivers. I know a couple of years ago in the AFC Championship game, when it was the Patriots and Chiefs, uh, Edelman tore up uh, the Chiefs' defense, as well as Cole Beasley, who we now found out was on a broken tibia. He did pretty well against the Chiefs last week. So I think Scotty Miller is obviously not at the level of those guys, but he plays very similar. Um, so I'm going to pick Scotty Miller at number 10. Number nine, I got Rob Gronkowski. Gronk was the leading receiver when they played in week 12. I think I mentioned that as well. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to be the leading receiver again, but I do think he's going to have to play a big part. Um, the good thing about this uh, Bucks team is that they have so many weapons that it, it's sometimes hard to remember that they have a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Um, so I have that at number nine. Number eight, Rashad Breeland. Uh, I think there's a good chance he gets an interception. Brady, I think, is starting to pick in every playoff game this year. Um, and he's also thrown a lot of picks this year in general. Breeland's their number one corner. Um, when they played in week 12, Mike Evans only had three catches. Yes, two of them were for short yards touchdowns. But uh, Breeland, very good. Number seven, I think, Ben, you got this wrong. Sean Murphy Bunting was the guy with all of the uh, interceptions this uh, this playoffs. Not uh, yep. Davis. As soon as I as soon as I said that, I went back. Yep, that is that yeah. is on me. 
So Sean Murphy Bunting is my number seven. Like we just said, he has a pick in every playoff game this year. It's going to be tough for him to do it again. Um, Mahomes is very good at not turning over the ball. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can get an interception or if he can keep up his uh, good defensive play. At number six, I had Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, the Chiefs having both their starting tackles out is going to be uh, it's going to be tough because they're going to have to deal with guys like Shaq Barrett, uh, Vita Vea, and Jason Pierre-Paul. All three of them. I guess you could put six at my sixth slot. You could put any of these three guys. I think just the way Jason Pierre-Paul played in the NFC Championship game puts him slightly above all those other guys. Uh, so I have him at six. Number five, Travis Kelsey. Uh, best tight end in the league. I think I think he's done a very good job at separating the gap between him and Kittle this year. Um, Kelsey, very good AFC Championship game. Very good season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep up what he's doing. I'm sure uh, the Bucks are going to be able to put Levante David and Devin White on him. Devin White, the fastest linebacker in the league. I think he's a decent cover linebacker. I'm not 100% sure. But his speed, I think, will be able to help contain Kelsey at least a little bit. Um, at number four, the guy who I just spoke of, Devin White. Um, don't need to go much into that. Number three, playoff Lenny. Uh, Fournette uh, has been very good in the playoffs in his career, sneakily. I think both of you guys mentioned that. But if the Bucs can, can effectively run the ball in this Super Bowl, I think it's going to open up the pass game. I think it's going to be uh, open up this offense a hell of a lot more. Fournette has been very dominant. Let's see if he can continue that. The Chiefs do have a very good front four. Um, at number two, I actually have Antonio Brown. Um, Antonio Brown has sneakily became one of Tom Brady's not only favorite targets in the system, but I think of all time because we know Brady wanted him that one year when he kind of got uh, on the Patriots when he uh, when he played like one game and then they later went on to win the Super Bowl and got a ring. So I think it's be interesting to see how Brown plays in this game. Um, and then number one, Tyree Kill, the most unguardable player probably since Calvin Johnson, Brandy Moss. He's just his his speed just puts him in another tier of wide receivers. Um, we, like we mentioned, he had almost 200 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter in week 12. If he puts up anything like that, again, the Chiefs are going to run away with this game. That's a good list. Um, I, I want to give a little shout-out to three guys I didn't put on my list, but I really wanted to. There's just so many good players in this game, obviously. Uh, Shaq Barrett, Devin White, Tyron Matthew, they'll deserve to be on the list, but, they're, again, so many good players. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like those three players haven't had outstanding years. Especially Shaq Barry, I think, is still very underrated. He has he had almost 20 sacks last year, had over 10 this year, and he's definitely an impact player for the Bucks. All right, and I think we're gonna go right into this week in sports. Um, 
couple things have happened. I know a couple things have happened in baseball. Ben, why don't you tell us what's happened in baseball this week? Well, in the MLB, we are slowly inching um, toward the start of the season. Spring training, if all goes according to plan, will start this month. So we are almost there to where I can actually start talking about real games and players and not just who has signed since our last episode. But that's what I'm going to do here today. So earlier today, we had a couple signings. We had Colton Wong stay in the NL Central. He agreed to a two-year deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. was a little surprising to me because the uh, the Brewers already have Keston Hira, who has played pretty strictly second base in his major league career. So I don't really know how that is going to work out, especially with there being as of right now, no universal DH. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe they move one of them to shortstop or third base. And then another signing today, Alex Colome, like Colton Wong, stays in the same division, except he is staying in the AL Central. He goes from being the White Sox closer to now being at least in the running for potential Twins closer. He signed a one-year deal with the Twins. So he will be facing his former, twi- his former team many times throughout this upcoming season. And then some other small signings that have taken place over the last couple of days. Sean Doolittle, former All-Star, was not the best last year, but signed a, uh, a pretty cheap deal with Cincinnati. Cincinnati traded away their former closer, Rysel Iglesias, this offseason. So one-year deal for Sean Doolittle there. And since he, um, I would assume, maybe even not the closer, but at least in contention for a back-of-the-bullpen type role there. And then last signing I wanted to go over, Nelson Cruz, part of the Twins' Bomba squad, stays in Minnesota um i think we might have seen him potentially look at some other offers other places if there would have been a universal dh in place but not looking like that at the moment so he stays in the al where he can be basically the twins permanent dh um last couple things not not the best topic to talk about uh not not a good one at all but mickey callaway um had some sexual misconduct claims come his way um, multiple organizations that he's been with have made statements on it. And then he's with the angels right now. And they actually suspended him while an investigation is going on. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. A lot of people are saying, Hey, why is this not getting this guy not been fired? That's something terrible, stuff like that. Um, but if you really look into it, you can't actually fire him until an, an investigation is taking place. So angels basically did what they're allowed to do. And that is suspend him until the investigation concludes and if, if the investigation were to find those claims to be true, then obviously he'd be fired. So it's not like the Angels are purposely keeping him on the staff. They basically have done what they could at this point in time. But uh, not a good look at all there. Not something ever really want to have to talk about. And then last thing, um, MLB made a proposal. I think I talked about this a little bit uh, to, the, to the players union um, with suspending the season or I guess pushing it back a month. 154 games, universal DH, and expanded playoffs. Union formally, I guess, rejected that offer. Uh, That came through officially back on Monday. So because of that uh, rejection, and there was no actual counteroffer, as of now, the season is still planned to start on April 1st. Uh, No DH, same playoff system with five teams per week. So that's the plan right now. There uh, still is some rumors about – potentially that changing. I don't really understand why, because we saw other sports, including the NFL, NFL is concluding a full season and uh, NBA and NHL are having their season right now as well. So I don't really understand it out of baseball. Um, it just continues to hurt their image. It's, they've already done enough. It feels like, but I just continue to hurt their own image. So uh, 
we'll see how those talks continue. But as of now, right now, season's still slated to start on April 1st, being opening day for all 30 MLB teams. And uh, no, no universal DH for now. But I'm knowing the union and the MLB owners, um, that will that conversation I would assume will continue because um, if if no deal is made, there's a potential for a strike in the next few years. But uh, overall, not not the best look as owners continue to just offer uh, kind of poor deals and have the the media kind of do their bidding for them. So. We'll, we'll see how that changes in the future. Uh, a, a deal needs to be made, a fair one, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, real quick, what are you guys' opinions on the National League not having a DH this year? I think I think it makes it, like, a little bit more, I guess not unique, but it gives each, each separate league kind of its own identity. Um, I'm not, like – I'm not like cheering for it, but I like it. Um, I'm perfectly fine with it. I, it's it sucks when obviously we see a pitcher get injured, or something like that. Um, that's obviously a downside. So, um, I I think that was a good thing for for at least the the COVID season. But I think after like seeing how it worked out, I I would be fine with keeping the NLDH in place. And I know a lot of people would probably disagree with me on that. Yeah, as a fan of the White Sox in the American League. I've always been a big fan of having a designated hitter. And if it were, I, I don't know, if, I know this is impossible to happen, but if they said, oh, the AL is going to ab- abolish the DH, I would be very upset. So, I mean, I don't know really what it's like to have pitchers hit um, other than when the Sox play a National League team. And it always kind of sucks, but you do have those moments where, like, I remember Carlos Rodon hit a double against the Cubs, and I was like, "That's awesome!" But those moments come pretty rarely. The Bartolo home run is a great example, but I mean, I would prefer a universal designated hitter. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. It's it's about time we get a DH in the National League. I'm I'm sick and tired of seeing pitchers, even though as a Cubs fan, we've had some good hitting pitchers come in the past, like Arietta. Uh, we had Zamperano, who was probably like the best hitting pitcher of all time. Um, but it's about time we get a National League. I'm tired of there being a free out at the end of every lineup. So I think we I think we need one. I yeah. So sorry, Ben. I uh, I disagree with you on that one. I would prefer to continue to see Michael Lorenzen get at bats. So um, I'm gonna stay. Just have him play like outfield for you guys. I would love that. Need the help. I think they're too worried about him getting him getting hurt. So I liked when he would come in as a relief pitcher and then stay in the game and then hit a home run and then it would everyone would just be happy. All right, Um, Colin. What's happened this week in basketball? So the game that had everybody talking was Sunday evening. We had the Brooklyn Nets go to Washington to play the Wizards. The Wizards had coming into the game had three wins all season. We know the mess that's been going on there. Westbrook's been struggling. Uh, we've been saying free Bradley Beal, free Bradley Be- Bradley Beal. He's been winning or they've been losing so many games with him scoring 40 plus. And then they honestly had, I think it was game of the year thus far 
it might end up being game of the year by the season's end. The Nets, uh, yeah, Beal also, uh, Ben brought this up. Beal said that he does not want a trade anymore. And I think this is the game that might have saved Bradley Beal for wash from what for from Washington's perspective. Uh, the Wizards got a 149-146 win, no overtime. That was all in regulation. Um, Westbrook played a great game. He had 41 points, 10 assists, or 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Beal had 37. Uh, people were questioning his lack of effort in the first half, but he really bounced back in the second half. And there was kind of a crazy ending where the Nets uh, – or Beal went down, hit a three, Nets turned the ball over, and then Westbrook hit a three to take the lead. So the Wizards won that one. And then the Nets played the Clippers Tuesday night, got a 124-120 to 120 win, um, and proved a lot of people wrong that thought the Nets were frauds. Um, they played really well, although I don't think the Clippers – are the type of team that's built to beat the Nets. The Clippers have good wing defenders, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, but they don't have any strong big men. Serge Ibaka is a decent defender, but they don't have a force in the paint that the Nets really have to deal with. Now, let me throw some stats at you. The Nets, this right now, um, are on pace to have the best offensive rating, not only in the NBA this year, but of all time. Best offensive rating of all time. However, they are projected or are on pace to have the worst defensive rating of all time. Best offensive rating, worst defensive rating. We have never seen anything like this in the NBA. Um, it's pretty wild how it's all playing out, and it's very, very entertaining as a fan. They let the Washington Wizards score 143 points in 36 minutes. I'm sorry, 133 points in 36 minutes, which is just absurd. We know this team can score, but they cannot defend anybody, and we still don't know what's going to happen when they face a team with really good big men, Sixers, Nuggets, Lakers. Uh, also, since the Harden trade, the Rockets are 7-3 and three with the best defensive rating in the NBA. So, despite dealing Harden, the Rockets are playing very good basketball right now with Victor Oladipo and those boys. Uh, the Nets are also 7-3 and three since the trade. And like I said, worst defensive rating in the NBA. Also, uh, Van Vliet, I want to shout out Van Vliet. He had 54 points last night. Um, pretty insane. It's the most ever by an undrafted player. And this isn't really news, but uh, there's the whole courtside Karen thing with LeBron getting the fan kicked out and then her ranting on social media. So that was all very entertaining. But I saw know. that she apologized. Did she apologize? I didn't see that. I saw something. I saw something about that. I think TMZ reported it. I just, it might be. Might be bullshit, but that whole thing was was so funny. Yeah, her her husband is like a season ticket holder. Obviously, has a lot of money because they're at the games right now, and hardly anyone's going courtside. Um, 
and uh, he shouted something. LeBron retaliated, and then she started screaming at LeBron, got kicked out of the game. So very funny situation there. Um, in college basketball, not a whole lot has happened. There was one big matchup uh, last night. It was Baylor and Texas, number two Baylor, number six Texas, and Baylor won 83-69. Greg Brown of Texas had a really nice uh, posterizing dunk that he wrongly got teed up on. But Baylor still, to me, looks like the best team in the country. 17-0. They have so many different guys that can hurt you. Jared Butler and uh, Davion Mitchell. Have, have you seen Davion Mitchell? Insane. He's so he underrated. Here's my thing about him, though. He wears number 45. His name is Davion Mitchell. Mitchell. He kind of looks like Donovan Mitchell, yet they have zero relation. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, I love I, I love Baylor. They were my pick to win it all this year. I thought they were going to win it all last year. Obviously, the tournament didn't get played. But Jared Butler and obviously Mitchell, and they have a couple other guys that I can't think of right now. They are so deep. The thing with college basketball, though, is, is that you see Baylor and Gonzaga are easily one and two. It just matters of who you put one and two. And then there's a big drop off. Outside of Iowa, outside of your Iowa bias, Colin, do you see any chance it's not Gonzaga Baylor in the national championship? I certainly could see it because you have teams like you. You have a combination of teams that are very good defensively and teams that can just on any given night, just put up 90 points. You got teams like Texas, you got teams like Michigan, you got teams like Iowa, even Villanova who are very on and off. They're hot and cold, but I do think there's a possibility that one of those teams could uh, sneak into that championship game because they can get so hot on some nights. Um, that being said, though, this Baylor team is per- it's, it's pretty perfectly built for March and April, obviously, because they have so many good guards. They have they don't have any dominant big men, but their big men play great defense. This is probably the best man to man defensive team in the country. Best I've seen in a while, actually. Um, those Virginia teams a couple years ago were really good, too. And they lead the country in three-point shooting. They're like 44% from three as a team, which is absurd. So I think that combination of defense and offense will win them a championship this year. Agreed. Um, All right. And then I'll just jump into this week in football. Not a whole lot. We're in that. We're going to hit a patch where there's not going to be a ton of football news, even though I'm going to predict – this is going to be the best NFL offseason we're going to have in a ever, I think. That's that's my bold prediction going ahead of things. But the first, I guess, move you can quote-unquote say of the offseason, uh, Matthew Stafford, longtime Detroit quarterback, he's going to L.A. L.A. ships three first-rounders and Jared Goff back to Detroit. What are your guys' thoughts? This was a big blockbuster trade that happened Saturday night. I, I remember just losing my mind. I did this came out of left field. It's it's Matthew Stafford is a very, very good quarterback, 
Matthew Stafford has also never won a playoff game. Now, Matthew Stafford has had a lot of mediocre to bad coaches and not really ever having a running game or a great defense. But um, I think, I think it's a ginormous risk for the Rams and um, it's, we know it's pretty hard to repeat as back-to-back number one defenses. Um, We've seen teams like the Vikings, uh, the Bears, and even the Patriots. I know Patriots has some players on top, but either way, it's, it's hard to repeat as a top defense for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I don't know if mortgaging this much of your future in in such of in such a hard division. I don't I don't I don't know if it was the best move. It it for sure could pay off, but I, I love it more from the Lions standpoint. Now I I like it from both team standpoints because if you're the Detroit Lions, you have a quarterback, you have a longtime quarterback that is still playing some of his best football and wants out. And they got really good value. They got two first round picks. They got a third round pick and uh, Jared Goff for now. Um, They also did not have to get a first round pick this year. They got first round picks for the next two years after this year, which is huge because a lot of those teams that aren't in the top 10 this year don't really like this draft because they're not able to scout the players the way that they usually do. And it's just not going to be quite the same. It's going to be tough. There's going to be more misses this year than there usually are. So um, I like this a lot from the Lions standpoint. And from the Rams standpoint, they did give up a lot. They are trading for a quarterback that hasn't won a playoff game However, I think it's a move you kind of have to make because Jared Goff was not the guy. Uh, him and McVay did not have a good relationship going right now. And you need a guy that Sean McVay is going to be able to work well with, uh, get along with, because he is an offensive mastermind. They did go to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and I think they are capable of going back with Matthew Stafford. Um their division is the toughest in football. And this is why I think they had to make the deal because you have the 49ers probably going to be healthy next season um, are still one of the best teams in football. You have the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, and now you have the Cardinals on the rise still have work to do, but uh, Kyler Murray and those boys are definitely on their way up and are a playoff caliber football team. So I think this trade today makes the Rams one of the best teams in football. And I think they certainly have a chance to make a run in NFC championship next year. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead, the the Rams have the second tied with the second best odds to win the NFC already. I think the Packers are number one with the best odds. And then right now they're tied with the Bucks at second. But looking at this trade, I love this trade for the Rams. This is a great deal. Matthew Stafford, I think it's 34, so he's getting a little older. But we see quarterbacks play effectively now till they're about 38, 39. So he's still got a good, I'd say, five years left on him. Plus, we know he's tough as nails. So Matthew Stafford is a legit quarterback. Now, this is my own opinion, but I do agree with Colin saying this is the toughest division in football. But I think him going to this division – makes him the best quarterback in this division. 
Yes, I, 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 I if you could see those looks. Playing, uh, putting Matt Stafford over Russell Wilson is a very, very bold prediction. So you think he's going to have a better season than – so you're saying he's going to – on this Rams team, it will elevate him above, like, Wilson and Murray because – Correct. Know. Well, okay. My opinion is this. For a couple of years now, I've, I've thought Russell Wilson is a little overrated. That's my personal opinion. I won't get into the, that a whole lot right now. I think we can save that for another episode in the offseason. But I think with Matthew Stafford, we've obviously seen him with Calvin Johnson, and we've seen him with uh, Kenny Galladay, two legit number one ride receivers. But in today's NFL, you need more than just one offensive talent. They've tried other guys. They've tried Marvin Jones. They've tried TJ Hawkinson. They've even tried getting him a running back, and nothing has really worked out. Going to this Rams team, he has legit options at wide receiver in Robert Woods, in Cooper Cup, in um, what's what's their other receiver? Don't they have a third? Uh, Re- they have Reynolds. Yes, Reynolds. Re- Reynolds. Reynolds is legit. I like Reynolds. They have a couple good tight ends. Uh, yeah, good. I for I I can't think of anyone's names right now, um, hey. but. Th- Higby, Higby, there you go. Yeah, very uh, Higby's a very also a very underrated tight end. And now they found their running back of the future in Cam Akers. So this is a legit offense, and you add probably a guy who's been a top ten quarterback in the league for the last probably eight years now. Him not winning a playoff game isn't his fault. He's only played in two playoff games. I think that's I think that's he's he's 0-3. He lost New Orleans, Seattle, and uh Dallas. And, so and so- honestly, he probably almost should have beat Dallas. I mean, yeah, the referees weren't too kind in that game. Yeah, so um, I don't think the playoff losses are his fault. So I think with this offense, their defense is still going to have Aaron Donald. It's still going to have Jalen Ramsey. It may not be the best next year, but I think it'll be in the top half of the league for sure. Um, this is just, it's a very well-rounded team and I don't want to, you know, overreact, but as of right now, looking ahead to next season, I think this would be my pick to, uh, represent the NFC. I think, I think Stafford's legit, but for the, uh, Lions sake, I think it's as good. They've been basically the definition of mediocre since Stafford has been on this team. Um, I think it's a good restart for them getting a handful of picks, having a new coach, new quarterback, um, new front office. I think it's a good time for them to hit the full reset and revamp three, four years from now. Well, this will be the best head coach he's played with and the best roster he's played on. So I don't really think he should get any excuses if they were to not win a playoff game next year, aside from, you know, barring, injury like a lot of injuries like the Niners had this year um I will say this though it's a copycat league everyone knows this when a team in your division does something you usually see the other teams retaliate and try to do something similar um to combat that so this is we we're saying the best division in football all four teams are playoff caliber so do you think now that this trade makes the 49ers more aggressive to acquire a new quarterback because 
Jimmy G, I mean, he's capable. They did get to the Super Bowl with him. But I think, in my opinion, they need a more dynamic playmaker. And I think they should go all in for Deshaun Watson. Do you think this trade makes it more likely that they do so? I honestly had them being very aggressive for a quarterback, even when golf was still in LA, um, just because the Rams are obviously super competitive, even with golf. So I, I think this maybe intensifies it a little bit more, but I think it was already very aggressive to begin with. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo hater. I just don't think he's the answer. And I think, I think they gotta, they gotta try their best to, to upgrade at that position because if they do and that team is healthy, they're they're for sure contenders if they're able to get an upgraded quarterback. Yeah. Uh, in San Francisco, I think personally they're going to try and get Deshaun. But in my opinion, I don't think Deshaun fits their offensive very well. Deshaun is a guy similar to Mahomes, similar to Allen. I think I mentioned this last week where he wants to throw the ball 45 times a game. And in Kyle Shanahan's offense – that's capable. I mean, that's how Matt Ryan won the MVP. But I think with the roster they have right now, they want to run the ball with the, I don't know, 12 running backs they have that seem to go off in fantasy every other week. So I think I think they're going to try and get a guy like Deshaun Watson, but I think it's a good case where they may overpay for a guy that will be good for them. But I think they can get less and get – similar value if that makes sense get like a lesser well, that's why I think, I think that if they were to get Deshaun Watson that's kind of the reason I think they would be the best team in the league is because you mentioned their run game and that system they have in place we've seen so many different running backs succeed in it um, if you have a Deshaun Watson um, a playmaker like that and you still have a run I mean because Houston never had a run game like pretty much the whole time he was there, especially last season. So if you have that run game established and you're able to throw the ball effectively, he might not be throwing the ball 50 times a game. You're right. But it may be, I mean, maybe that's something he wants to do. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking for. But if you put him in that system, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan can adapt. And, you know, he has a George Kittle, a Brandon Ayuk, they, Debo Samuel. They might get someone else. I don't know. But I think having that many options, and I think their passing game and running game would be so good, both of them, that it would make them the best team in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they won't be good. I just think that with Stafford getting two first and a third, I think you're going to get close to probably three first-rounders and maybe a player for Deshaun Watson. And I think they can find a guy that's worth maybe a first-round pick and then like a fifth-round pick. I'm not 100% sure who that could be yet. Um, obviously, a guy that can – I'd say they're looking for a, just a game manager and a quarterback. They thought that that's what they were going to get from Jimmy Garoppolo, and it wasn't. That's why, you know, when Brady was a free agent, they wanted Brady because Brady's the perfect game manager – um, obviously they didn't get him, but if they can find a guy who's a good game manager, who I think their best option right now would be a guy like Matt Ryan, where you can get him for probably a first round pick. I'd say if you, if 
if the 49ers were to trade a first-round pick, Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe a later-round pick, I think I think that would be uh, tempted for uh, for uh, Atlanta to take. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a good point there. Matt Ryan would definitely be an upgrade, and I think he'd work well with them. Um, and you also make a good point that they would have to give up so much for Watson, seeing how much Stafford was worth. So um, I think you're right. And if they're if they really do want Watson, that's what they're pursuing. It might be tough for them to compete with a team like the New York Jets, who might also be pursuing him hard because they have more to offer with their draft picks. You know that the New York Jets have the number two pick. And if you're the Niners who don't have, you know, as much there, as much value with your draft picks, you'll have to give up even more to acquire him. So, yeah, you, you do make a good point there. I think it would be – they would have to give up a lot, more than some other teams might have to to get him. Agreed. Um, any, other, any other comments from you guys? I – just going back to what you said at the start of the segment, um, I'm looking forward so much to this offseason. I know we said that we're going to do a kind of like a QB carousel, like who's going to go where, predict stuff like that. But we could just just so many different quarterbacks that have potential to move, even ones that night might not move at all. Like just the fact that there's even been rumors about like Matt Ryan, even like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, stuff like that is just showing like how wild this offseason could potentially be. Yeah, seeing that potentially, I mean, I doubt this happens, but potentially half the league could have different quarterbacks. Um, that thought is very exciting, and you can create a lot of different potential scenarios. So it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're we'll have a we'll have a couple shows dedicated to what free agents are going where. We'll obviously do one. We'll do a big one for the drafts. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where all these players end up or if they'll even go anywhere. We know in the NFL, legit starting quarterbacks don't move very many places in their career. So it'll be very interesting. But I think this is going to wrap up our Super Bowl special episode. I want to thank Matthew Schultz and Alex Simak for joining us today. And I hope you guys win all of your bets for the Super Bowl and Colin, it looks like you have one thing to say. You guys are definitely going to want to tune in to Monday or maybe Tuesday's episode. We're going to be, you know, covering, reacting to what happened with the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll have another trade by then. Um, you definitely aren't going to want to miss that one. Yes. All right. Uh, we will see you guys in the next next episode. Uh, take care. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,